From the DuckDuckGo for Privacy Studio, this is News Talk A3O, WCCO. The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk A3O and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Hello, I'm Susie Jones and welcome to Your Money. If you have a financial question for Bruce Helmer, you can call this number 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The number is 888 6 Advice, that is 888-6-ADVICE. Peg is off today. And you can certainly email your questions as well to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. During this show, you can call or text our studio line, 651-461-9226. Now, here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Bruce, what are we talking about today? Hi, Susie. Good to be with you. Good to hear your voice. Um, yeah, so we, we probably, I hope we get calls and texts today because we might have a little extra time to take some questions. And I have a couple of questions that uh, pile up that I get uh, at wealthenhancement.com or emails. But, uh, Susie, I wanted to start, uh, and I'll tell you what, what made me think of this. Hmm. Um, I was sitting recently in, in, in a social setting, uh, and somebody next to me, recognize my voice and it probably happens to you also and when when it happens it's flattering but it's also a little disconcerting (laughs) if they don't know what i look like but my voice is distinctive enough that they you know they they recognize my voice Uh and first he goes i i I listen to your radio show and he goes but i don't always agree with you (laughs) oh okay (laughs) i know right no i'm not offended i'm really not i'm not defensive but i go just out of curiosity can you give me an example of something I said that you don't agree with? And he said, well, yeah, and he seemed kind of, you know, uncomfortable at first. He goes, okay, I'll tell you one. He goes, I don't think people should manage th- their own money. I think you should stop telling people to manage. And I said, whoa, whoa, let me stop you right there. I would never say that. That's not me. You're confusing me with another show. We we firmly believe at Wealth Enhancement Group and everything that we do on your money, we talk about, that people that use a financial advisor do better than those that don't. So honestly, sir, I, I would never say that. You're confusing me with somebody else. Like, okay. And then I, would, I made a joke out of it. And I said, see, we do agree. You, you, know, you, don't, you don't disagree with me. Well, I wanted to kind of restate um, the whole purpose of your money. I, I, Susie, I've been doing this, um, and, of course, the last decade, it's been a lot better when Peg has been on the show with me. But originally, I was by myself, and we started in January of 1997. Wow. And I would have never thought in 97 that I'd still be doing this at the end of 2021. But but the original goal was simply to educate and inform listeners. And even back in the early days, um, my other co-founders, sometimes on Monday morning, would, would get on me a little bit and say, 
you don't advertise the firm enough. You don't give our phone number enough. You don't brag on us enough. <laughs> and I said, you guys, if I do that, I think it undermines our credibility. I can be a cheerleader for the industry because I believe in it so strongly. But if I'm just promoting us, I don't think we have the same credibility. So we agreed that the purpose of the show was to give information that could help the listener, try to be entertaining, try to be informative and so forth, but not just be self-promotional. Now, the truth is, the elephant in the room, full disclosure, do we hope that people hear us and we make a favorable impression and perhaps they'll consider using our services? Absolutely. I wouldn't deny that for a second, but I, I've always tried really, really hard you know, to not just take every question and say, well, you should call my office Monday morning and actually give an answer to the question uh, that we get. So your money over the years, it started out as a radio show, and now it's become like this whole movement or way of life. It's, it's really just part of Wealth Enhancement Group's national campaign, campaign. We combine this show, and I also do TV, and there's podcasts. Peg and I write, write articles, uh, interviews. Uh, speaking engagements, websites, and so on. So it's become this your money. It's, it's bigger than just a radio show. It's a way of life, and it's a movement. And, uh, and I, I used to just be known in the upper Midwest, Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and more and more I'm, I'm finding on my travels because of, uh, because of your money I'm recognized in a lot of places. Uh, again, flattering, but also can be <laughs> disconcerting. So... Um, the, then the, the last thing before, and, and again, we could get listeners involved early in the day, Susie. Sure. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about who WEG is and who WEG isn't. Um, there's a lot of people out there in our space that uh, give specific financial advice. You should buy um, this stock or you should buy this mutual fund, and or they try to give advice on how to invest and here, here's how you use puts and calls and you know and, and that's not who we are anyone that listens to this show with any degree of frequency it's not just an investment management show investment management is part of comprehensive financial planning but we're a financial planning firm and we want the show to be about financial planning so we talk about ways to reduce your taxes we talk about uh, future value forecasting, uh, the inflation. We talk about a lot of things that, that impact people and try to come up with, with strategies to help them be successful for whatever these issues might be in their life. But it starts with, it absolutely starts with what is important to the individual? Uh, what are your core values? What are your goals and objectives? So when we work with clients one-on-one, -on -one, that's the starting point. So what we don't do that a lot of shows do is try to Hey, it really is. And again, I'm not sure where you lost me and I don't want to repeat myself. So, I mean, we can get listeners involved if we've got questions, texts or calls or whatnot, but Susie, I'll be very curious. Um, and as you go through this experience with us, um, I really want you to share your experience with listeners on air because uh, you know whether you engage our, us in a relationship or not i think you'll say that the whole experience even doing the introductory meeting and sharing the information i think you're going to find that it's worthwhile whether we're a good fit to engage our services or not so i'll be really curious 
to hear your thoughts and, and, and get your input and reaction as you go through that process with us. And I was surprised, Bruce, when I made the appointment that it is not just one person that will be looking at my information. It, there will be three different people that will be looking at my information and working together to assess my situation and then make recommendations. Oftentimes it's one person, but at Wealth Enhancement Group, this is a team of people that offer insight into exactly what's going on and what your needs will be as you retire, um, what your hopes and dreams in terms of traveling to far and away places. So it's important to have um, a lot of my three heads are better than one is what they say, huh? Yeah, and, and you know, and again, people that listen to the show know that there frequently I don't know the answer to a question, but Peg does, or we both will will answer it slightly differently, but but input from both of us adds uh, additional information and clarity. So yeah, our philosophy has always been to be a very sharing culture, whereby if you engage Wealth Enhancement Group, you're not restricted to the to the shortcomings or limitations of one advisor. You're actually getting a team of people that are going to have input. We call it our roundtable team of specialists. And uh, it can be a, a really big roundtable meeting with a lot of teams uh, looking at a situation and offering input. Or even if it's just one team, it'll be multiple individuals on that team offering their thoughts and suggestions. And so, we, again, we really think it's a differentiator. But I apologize again. I did not intend to come out today and sit and do a commercial about wealth enhancement. <laughs> as you go through the process, I'm really going to be curious of, of your reaction to it. Which is, you know, obviously I have questions for myself, but it's also interesting. It's also important, I think, for me to understand the topic and you and who were on in the whole the whole kit and caboodle, as it were. We have a texter <laughs> at uh, texting in. Hi, Bruce. My name is Mike. I have not retired yet, but I am very concerned about how future inflation. Um, might affect me. For example, I have a $3,100 monthly fixed income, and this is Steve. Uh, they're calling in from Des Moines. So, um, what are your thoughts for Mike? Yeah, so, and, and thanks for the question at the beginning of the show. I talked about how your money has become a movement and it's not just local anymore. So, this is Des Moines. Uh, thank you, Mike. So, Whenever, Susie, whenever I answer questions about inflation, I want to be sensitive and careful to the fact that this might be impactful right now. Somebody's paying more for food. Somebody's paying more at the pump. And if they're on a fixed income, how do they enjoy the same lifestyle? Do they have to make sacrifices? In fact, you pointed that out to me a couple weeks ago when I gave this macroeconomic answer and sort of forgot about the person actually struggling because of inflation right now. So I, I get it. I get that, it, that inflation can impact people's ability to live the way they want to. In terms of what it will do to the economy long term, I'm still very optimistic that GDP is going to continue to go up. I know we've got some supply chain issues, and we're still dealing with some of the effects of COVID. But as we get past COVID and it's in our rearview mirror, and we solve these supply chain issues, I really think the economy is, gonna, is really going to grow and I think inflation will come back down. I think it's going to be short-lived, and I think most of it is still being driven by COVID. But again, that doesn't change Mike's situation living on a fixed income and his milk costs more and his, his gas costs more. So, you know, again, you got to be smart and you got to, you know, 
buy as little as you can, or if you can see gas cheaper somewhere down the road, it's maybe worth it to go down there and fill your tank. But um, long term, I don't think it's going to have a huge negative impact. But I get that even if it's short term, it may be impacting you right now. And I'm not insensitive to that. But uh, uh, I really I'm still very, very optimistic uh, in for the months and years ahead. Six five one four six one nine two two six. That is the number to call if you have a question for Bruce Helmer with the Wealth Enhancement Group. It is your money. That number six five one four six one nine two two six. That's a number to call or text. And we do have a number of texts that we will get to. We're going to answer this question after the break. How often should you meet with your financial advisor? We'll get to that question plus a lot more of your text after this. Come down on this, and I want to preface my answer by saying a lot of really smart people, people a lot more famous than I am, <laughs> um, Dave Ramsey comes to mind. There are certain people that think you always pay off debt, that there's no such thing as good debt. Debt is bad no matter what. And I personally, um, with all due respect to Dave Ramsey, I don't agree with that premise. I think you look at the cost of the debt service. So I'm guessing uh, your mortgage is at a fairly low interest rate because interest rates on mortgages right now, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3%, give or take a few basis points. So I would say that's cheap money. Now, then you say, okay, if if the debt service cost is low and I have 150000 or whatever the dollar amount is, can I put that somewhere and earn more than 3%? I would say yes, on average, absolutely. You can have a good diversified investment portfolio that might average 6 7 8%. And then if you still want to pay the mortgage off early, which is admirable, the best way to do it is not by applying it to the debt service, but by investing and then maybe taking the money out of that investment and, and balloon paying the whole thing. That said... If you don't want to invest, 150000 is sitting in cash. That cash is not earning an interest rate as high as the cost of the debt service. So as long as you have enough cash that you don't feel vulnerable if you use that cash up, then I would say absolutely go ahead and pay off the mortgage. But again, there's other variables at, at play here, Troy, that I didn't get a chance to ask you, like, how much cash would you have left if you pay off the mortgage? What other investments do you have? What other assets do you have? How old are you? Uh, how you know you said you're not retired yet? So there's other variables that come into play. But at the end of the day, the two questions when someone's asking me what to do with extra money, whether they should pay down debt or invest, it comes down to the the cost of the debt service versus what you can earn on the investment. It comes down to your personal situation, comes down to risk tolerance, time horizon. Those are all things we'd find out and know about you before making uh, any kind of a, a final recommendation. Now, let me just change the question slightly. If someone comes to me and they say, I have a high balance, maybe not uh, as much as your mortgage, but I have 20000 on a credit card, and the interest rate on the credit card is, you know, 8.9%, I would say pay off the credit card every day of the week and twice on Sunday because I don't know that we have an investment portfolio that I can say for sure is going to earn a higher rate of return than the cost of that debt service. 
And the other thing, I should have said this uh, earlier, I just thought of it now. The other thing, even if you opt for the idea of investing, there you will probably average a rate of return much higher than the cost of the debt service. But there will be times when you don't. So how will you feel if you get your quarterly statement and your account balance went down from the previous quarter and you also get your mortgage uh, payment uh, invoice the same day and you go, I'm still making payment on this mortgage and I lost money in my investment. Because inevitably over a long period of time, there will be times when that happens. So I also have to understand what makes people tick emotionally and what is their risk tolerance. I have a lot of clients that would say, that wouldn't bother me at all. I understand the market's a long-term thing. I have other clients that admit it would drive them crazy, and those people should probably absolutely pay off the debt. So how you're wired, who you are, what makes you tick, what your core values are, are always going to influence how I actually answer that question in a one-on-one situation. Thank you, Troy. It's a great question. 651-461-9226. If you want to call and ask your question on the air, you can do that. You can also text us at 651-461-9226. Bruce, well, we had you lost for just a minute. I mentioned about capital gains, and this person wonders, should I take advantage of this year's, along the lines you're talking about with Troy, lower rate and sell my company stock, which I've held for 30 years, or are there advantages to holding on? The stock is up nicely this year, and my income puts me near but not over the top marginal threshold. Uh, what would you tell that person? Yeah, so, uh, Susie, it's a great, absolutely great question. Um and I'll try to be precise in my answer, but there's a lot of different roads to go down here, uh, but I'll try to give clarity. So number one, uh, I always tell people, and I, and I think this is absolutely correct, don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog. And what I mean by that is, yes, we want to be tax efficient, and we want to try to reduce tax, taxes and pay the least amount of taxes that we legally can, that's a huge part of the comprehensive planning that we do. But also, I wouldn't say to someone, don't go sell your stock if you're bullish on the stock just because you think your taxes might be higher next year. Um, we have to weigh what we think is the efficiency and, and the potential return of the investment with the tax ramifications. So that said, we are proactively planning with a lot of our highly compensated clients to look at ways that they can maybe sell some assets this year or move some income into this year under the idea that it's highly, I don't want to say highly likely, entirely possible that we will see taxes go up in the future. And again, people politicize this stuff, Susie. And if you're, if you're a Republican or if you're a supporter of former president, former president Trump, and Biden won the election. Some people just are, are like, oh, the sky is falling now and taxes are going to go up. And first of all, Joe Biden, uh, even before the election, made it pretty clear he does want to raise our taxes, but only on individuals that make over $400,000. So most people listening, the, the things that Biden wants to do, most of our listeners, even if he gets his way, probably won't be impacted. 
I don't that make said, Bruce. I don't make four hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year. Just so you know, if you're wondering no, if I make. <laughs> <laughs> no, most most of our listeners, Susie, I don't think they do. Uh, I'll elaborate on that, though, in a second, because I had this conversation with a client during the week. So accept that premise for now, but I'm going to come back to it. Um, but the other part of this is is that President Biden thinks he wants doesn't mean he's going to get it. The Republicans might disagree, and the Democrats have very narrow margins of majority in the House and in the Senate. In fact, right now, the, the, uh, the super progressive or super liberal Democrats are holding up what you would think would be fairly easy legislation to pass with regard to an infrastructure bill. And there's party infighting going on there or in the Senate. Uh, they can't get uh, Senator Manchin and uh, the, uh, the other name escapes me, the senator from Arizona. They, they, they don't have enough margin. So just, just because President Biden wants to do this, this and this doesn't mean that's going to happen. But it could, and we want to be proactive. But even if he gets everything he wants, if you don't make $400,000 a year, it's not going to be impactful to you. Now, I had a client challenge me this week who does not make 400000 but came up with the old um, trickle-down effect that if we raise the taxes on the highly compensated people, it's going to trickle down and impact, impact lower compensated people in a negative way. That argument, I think, goes back to, to the Reagan administration and his budget director, a guy named David Stockman. And even David Stockman has come out in recent years and said, I was wrong. That's not true. There's no statistical data that proves that if we raise taxes on the, the, the highly compensated people, that they work less or they're disincentive or they stop giving to charity or they stop creating jobs. There's just no evidence of that. And if you think about it logically, Susie, I know a lot of people in that category. I have clients in that category. And I can tell you every one of them that I can think of, their wealth was not even necessarily their primary goal. They wanted to be the best whatever they do in the industry. They wanted to exceed client expectations. They wanted to be the best. They're 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 driven. They have a commitment to excellence. They have a strong work ethic. And the financial rewards were a result of this commitment to excellence or, or to use names that people know. Michael Jordan became a wealthy guy. His goal was not necessarily to be a wealthy guy. His goal was to be the greatest basketball player on the planet. Tiger Woods' goal is to be the greatest golfer on the planet. When you achieve those things, the wealth came. And, and that's the true of a lot of people. They had a commitment to excellence at their chosen field. Well, if you raise their taxes, that commitment to excellence does not go away. It doesn't stop. If they're hard workers, highly motivated, they're going to continue to be very, very successful, very driven. In fact, I would argue if you raise my taxes, it may make me work harder to try to make more money so that the net I take home doesn't go down. In any effect, there's just no evidence that raising taxes on, on the highly compensated has a negative impact on the economy or a trickle-down effect that's going to destroy the economy. So I don't know what's going to happen with taxes, and there's a lot of different things we need to think about here when we say taxes. And I'm sorry for the, uh, the long answer, but again, I want, to be, I, want, I want listeners to have clarity and understand what I'm talking about. So there's ordinary income tax rates. That's the easy one that you know, most people understand. So... You, you, you might end up in a higher tax bracket, again, if you're highly compensated. 
I, I, I don't want to go through where all the compensation points are, but the tax brackets are 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, and 37. And Biden wants to take the top one up back to where it was, uh, 39.6. So he wants to add like 2.6% to the top tax bracket. Well, that's a lot of money that the, the, that the government would get on those highly compensated people if their rate goes up by 2.6%. But again, doesn't affect most of the listeners. But beyond ordinary income taxes, and this is where you started, Susie, is the idea of capital gains. I paid a dollar for this stock. Now it's trading at $100. Um, and, and, and capital gains rates might be 15%. What if that goes to 20? Should I sell that stock and pay the capital gains this year um, because I think I'm going to pay at a higher capital gains rate next year? Again, I will admit we have clients that were looking at that issue, and it, but it's not that simple because, again, I don't know that the, that the capital gains rate will go up. I don't know by how much. And again, you have to look at the individual investment and say, I think the investment's going to go up by more than my taxes. I, I, I don't want to sell it. I'm going to keep it. So we want to do tax planning, but we also want to be smart in terms of the, does the investment still make long-term sense? The other thing we're hearing about is estate taxes, the exclusion amount may be going down. The vast, 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 vast majority of people listening right now are not going to have any issues with estate taxes when they die, but the, the, the and it's because the exclusion is so high. There's talk about lowering that, and the one that really bothers me if it happens, and honestly, I don't think it will. I don't think there's a, a there's a, a political appetite even with the Democrats to do this. Is the the taking away of step up in basis. So again, back to my example, if I buy a stock for a dollar and now it's trading at a hundred dollars and I sell it, I have to pay the taxes on that $99 a share gain. Mm. But if I pass away with that stock and it trades at $100 and, the, and that goes to my kids and they sell the stock at $100 a share, they don't pay the tax. Their basis steps up to 100 Their basis is not a dollar. Their basis is $100. There's some talk about that going away. I don't think it will. Um, I hope it doesn't, and, but even if it does, again, I think they'll draw a line in the sand and say the step-up in basis goes away for people whose income is above X. So we don't know any of this stuff is going to happen. Is it smart to, to look ahead and try to plan for the potential? Absolutely. Is it time to panic and say, oh, was me, the sky is falling? Absolutely not. All right, so we have a caller Garrett is calling from Bloomington. It is 651-461-9226. And reminding you, Bruce, and our listeners, we have six minutes left in this show. So, Garrett, you are on the air with Bruce. And to Bruce, remember, we are out in six minutes. So go take Thanks. it away, Garrett. All right. Um, is crypto and gold, are those both good investments? That's a really good question, so Bruce. Good. With all the talk, yeah, with all yep, the talk. Yep. I'm going to throw another one in there. How about marijuana? Uh, is that a good investment? Uh, so, Garrett, I'm going to guess is a younger guy, and so let's let's talk about precious metals first, gold, silver, and other precious metals. If someone said to me, I think the stock market's going to crash, I'm going to go cash in all my stocks and put it all in gold, I would try desperately to talk them out of doing that. Um, People that 
I see why people are attracted to precious metals if they're worried about the economy, if they're worried about the stock market, if they're worried about inflation, because you can hold a gold nugget or gold bullion or whatever in your hand. You have something tangible. Stocks and investments are so nebulous you can't cuddle with them like you can a precious metal. But if you look at volatility and rate of return long term, there is actually a 27-year period of time. I don't remember the exact years right now where the price of gold was down for 27 years. If that happened in the stock market, people would lose their minds. And that's never happened in the stock market. So in terms of volatility, precious metals can even be more volatile. Now, someone said to me, I want to have 5% or 10% of my portfolio in precious metals. I would say that's a great idea. And we do that at Wealth Enhancement Group and a lot of the portfolios that we manage. Crypto. The one that most people know, um, oh, gosh, now I'm drawing a blank on it, but uh, the, the cyber currency, uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yes. Bitcoin was, was, yeah, Bitcoin is the one everybody jumped on. So my, my educated guess, and I don't know and nobody does, but my educated guess is, is that cryptocurrency will be the future. Susie, maybe not in your lifetime, in my lifetime, but maybe our kids and grandkids. Money is money today because we say it is. It's not even backed by the gold standard. It hasn't been since 1972. Something has value because we assign value, and there's no reason we can't assign value to a cryptocurrency. Here's the problem, though, Garrett and listeners. Which cryptocurrency is going to be the one that we're using 50 years or 75 years from now? I have no idea. I don't think it's going to be Bitcoin, though. I don't, we might not have seen the cryptocurrency that ends up lasting. And I brought marijuana into the conversation because a lot of people say with the legalization, with the medical use, marijuana is going to sell like crazy. And it's absolutely true. But which companies, which marijuana companies are going to stand the test of time and be here in 5, 10, 20, 30 years? And which ones are going to close their doors in in six weeks? That's really hard to tell. And the example that I used to, to verify my point, when cars were first invented, At one time, there were over 100 car companies in this country. It whittled down to two over the years. So marijuana or precious metals or cyber currency are all things that I think should be part of a broadly diversified portfolio, but it's really hard to know specifically which stocks to buy, and it certainly should not be an entire portfolio. You shouldn't sell everything to buy gold or, or to, to, to buy marijuana stocks or buy crypto. All right. There's a nice answer for you. Garrett from Bloomington, thank you for calling in. And the number to text in is 651-461-9226, as we have about two minutes left in the show. What are the pros and cons, this texter writes, Bruce, with two minutes left after retirement, transferring your company stock into, and of course it just jumped, <laughs> what are the pros and cons uh, after the retirement da, 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 from pre-tax to a um, paying tax on the cost basis? Does that make sense? Yeah. So the, what they're talking about is a strategy called net unrealized depreciation. Mm. And I can't explain that in the time that we have left. I'll okay. just say very quickly. That, no, no, but, I, but if you have company stock in your company retirement plan, First of all, when you retire, you probably want to roll that to an IRA. Now, not always. Sometimes there's reasons not to, but most of the time you do. But then 
if you if the company stock rolls to to the IRA and then you sell or uh, you know to take money withdrawals out of your IRA, you pay ordinary income taxes. There's a strategy available such that you can end up paying long-term capital gains or a lower rate, perhaps, on that company stock. And again, the strategy is called net unrealized appreciation analysis, and we always look at that in every situation. So it's a it's a really good question. Um, the, then the other thing I get, Susie, a lot is how much company stock should I have? If you're bullish on the company and you think it's going to increase in value, that's great. Keep a lot of stock. But still, I don't think it should be more than 10% of all of your money. Otherwise, that's too many eggs in just one basket. We really believe in diversification. All right. It is your money. The Wealth Enhancement Group founder and financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. It's been a Ask Bruce anything show today happy to have you with us if you have any questions that you didn't get answered your money at wealthenhancement.com or 24 hours a day seven days a week 888-6-ADVICE that's 888-6-ADVICE we will talk to you next week the previous program was sponsored by wealth enhancement group all opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of wealth enhancement group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of news talk 830 and odyssey inc